Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Well, happy Easter, or what I like to say, Resurrection Sunday. Today is the day we celebrate Jesus, raise him from the dead. Let's not make this just an event, like a thing that passes over where we just go get our Easter eggs and walk on, right? Let's allow God to do something in our hearts, shift something for us. So I want to read the resurrection story, and uh, we're going to talk about some lost things today. Easter, cool time. We think about Jesus, what he did for us, everything that he paid for. It's beautiful. Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, poor gal, she's just the other Mary, went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come, let's see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, and now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and they had devised a plan and they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you are to say the disciples came during the night and stole him away while you were asleep. If the report, this report gets to the governor, he will, it will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Good luck. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this is the story that has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Verse 16, when the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Jesus is alive. He didn't get stuck in the tomb. He's not some dead God. He's a living God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you sent your one and only Son to live and die for us, that we would have eternal life in you. So God, will you pour out your spirit on us today? Will you come and minister to us? Help us to see you clearer than ever before, and then we would encounter and experience your love, your transforming love, God, that would cause us to feel as if we are truly children as you say are, are, say we are, God. You say that our spirits are crying out, Abba, Father, we have this desire for you to be our daddy. God, will you do that today? Will you cause each one of us to matter and belong to you because we're so valuable in your eyes? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I hate losing things. Are you with me? 
How many of you guys hate losing stuff? Yeah, losing stuff is super annoying. It drives me crazy. You know, you, I don't know what it is about it exactly, except for the fact of like, you know, where is it? You know what I'm saying? Like you lose stuff, and you're kind of like, where is it? Like that kind of bothers me, that it was here like a second ago, like right there, I put it right there. Now where is it? Does, does anybody else feel this way about stuff? You're like, just a second ago, I set it down, or I always put it in this spot, and it's there, you know, but then it's not. Where did it go? It was here? I don't know. Where did it go? Is it coming back? I don't know. There's no way to know where this stuff went. It just disappears. And I think that fundamentally is the part about this that really kind of bothers me, that losing stuff is extremely frustrating. So I like to find comfort and not think that I'm the only one who's a total idiot, right? And like, because how many of you guys lose the same stuff over and over? Because it's not like I just lose a new thing, usually. It's usually the same thing. And that's what makes me feel dumber about it. Right? How could you possibly lose the same thing over and over again? It's like a miracle, actually. <laughs> and so I go where most people go when you feel stupid and you want comfort to find out if you're the only one, is I go to the internet <laughs> to search, are other people stupid like me? How many people lose things every day? So if you search that, you might find different statistics, but this is the one that I think is right because it's on the internet. Okay. <laughs> they calculate that over one year on average, incredible 3,285 items per person are misplaced in a year. You misplace stuff all the time because this counts when you're on your computer. Where's that file? Where did I, I swear I just put it right there. Now we lose stuff inside our computer. How's that possible? I knew where that website was. It was here a minute ago. You hit the back button, it's missing. Lose stuff all the time. See, a total of 3,680 hours or 153 days of your life on average is given up searching for stuff. That's amazing. I need to get more efficient at looking for lost stuff. See, the, have you noticed that the longer you search for stuff, you know, you're looking for things, the, the weirder places you start to look? Because you like search all the obvious places. It's here, oh, it's not under the table, it's not like right here. Then you start going here like, maybe I put it in the freezer. You know what's weird about that? Is the reason you go there is because you found your stuff there before. <laughs> right? And you like imagine in your mind how it was logical, how you could have been from your car and then drop your keys off. I had the pizza in my hand and the keys, and I must have just set it in the freezer. That makes perfect sense. So you go look in the freezer for your stuff. And the longer you look, the weirder places you look. You look in stuff that it could never fit. It's this big, huge thing, you're like, and then you look inside of like this small little box, and maybe it's in there. You're just like not thinking. 
your brain kind of like fills up and you lose sight of reality or real focus or logic, right? And then you go back to the most obvious of places, don't you? It's where it's supposed to be. How many of you guys do this? You're searching around, you're looking, and then all of a sudden you look for that one spot. You're like, it's supposed to be here. And you go back and you're looking, and then you're searching and going around, then you go back to that same spot again. Is it there? Did it come back? <laughs> right? Am I the only one? No. You're like in the drawer. It's not there yet. <laughs> nope. Not there yet again. Why do we do this? And then it starts to build. How many of you guys, when you lost something long enough, not only do you look in the weirdest of places, and you go back to the obvious place where it's supposed to be, even though it's not there, you start like panicking, right? And then you start feeling in your pockets for stuff. It's your wallet, your keys. How many check your wallet like 600 times? You basically wear your pants out, looking for your stuff, like the keys in it. And you're like, no, I thought I could sneak up on it. It's not really there. Wearing your clothes out, looking for your stuff. But you know, I'm actually convinced that, uh, you know, because this stuff is hiding in plain sight, because here's the other stat. I read this stat. It says half of those people polled claim that they are constantly searching for things they've lost or misplaced, the majority admitting that it usually turns up somewhere obvious. Ah, so I have a, I have, I have a thought about what is really going on here. Three quarters of all misplaced possessions occur in your home. Or losing things in the workplace or in, inside your car. I mean, you lose your stuff in your car. It's not even a very big spot. And you can lose all kinds of stuff in there. So what does this mean? It means, one, I'm not alone because you're like me. Thank God. <laughs> the second thing is it's a test. This is a test from the Lord. I'm telling you, I believe God sends angels on assignment to move your stuff. It's the only thing that makes sense. I swear I just looked here, and then I do leave. And the reason I go back to the obvious place is because then all of a sudden, there it is. It's a test. It's a test. There's angels coming to your house, and they're like, it's time to go to work, John. He's like, okay, man, let's go. And they're going, they're like, they fly in. And they're like, he's not looking. They move his stuff. I don't know where they stick it. I don't know where they put it, but it's not where it was. And you go back and look, and then all of a sudden, after you've like, you start freaking out. How many of you start to freak out? You get stressed, and you begin to behave badly. This is why I know it's a test. <laughs> it's a test because I pray, God, give me patience. <laughs> Angels come in, let's move some stuff. <laughs> right? They start moving your stuff around. And then you start to freak out inside. You start to get mad, don't you? The stress level starts to rise. Huh? You start panicking a little bit. And then as you get stressed, you start to walk faster. Like that's going to make you find stuff better. That's got to be in there. I swear it's right there. It's right in this stuff. You start walking really fast, parsing, and then around and around and around. And then how many of you guys start doing self-talk? Oh my goodness, I swear I was going to find this thing. It was supposed to be over there. I promise I put it there. Oh, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I didn't lose this thing again. This is the third time this week I lost these keys. 
You start breathing heavy. And then slamming things always makes you feel better about losing all your stuff. Then the worst of all phases, the climax of losing things, this is why it's a test from the Lord, is you start blaming others. <laughs> oh my gosh, was all my stuff with my wife? I know it's her. She's always picking my things up and putting them somewhere else. My stinking kids, those guys, they're always moving my stuff. I'm going to be late to work. Oh. And then if you're ignorant enough or just silly enough, I don't, I don't even, I have no excuse for this except that you let your wife hear you say that. <laughs> then, then it's real trouble. And you actually start blaming them. I know you did it. Just stop and think. I want you to think about it and remember you had to have moved it. I wouldn't have moved it. And then, then the angel puts it back. He puts it right back in the obvious place, and your wife goes home and she goes, You see it right there? Ah! It's a test. I'm telling you, it's a test. I hate losing stuff. You hate losing stuff too. So, you know, your brain, like all of a sudden you find this thing, and then all of a sudden your brain, like, comes and turns back on. So, there's this, like, bittersweet moment when you find your stuff, right? Especially if it's valuable stuff. You find it and you're like, oh, and you, even if your wife points it out to you, you're like, there it is. You're like, ah, I just blamed you for that. And your brain starts to, second before, you literally believed it was her and you were mad at her. And then she points out that it was you, which I believe is an angel, but it was you. <laughs> and you see it and then you're like, so glad you found it. See, some stuff I don't even care about. I just want to know where it is. And it just bothers me that I don't know where it is. Then other stuff is really valuable to me. And I really want to know where it is, like my kids. <laughs> right? I mean, this is why my wife never let me carry the car seat in stores, because I just put stuff down and all the time and forget where it is. She's like, you're not allowed to carry the children anymore. <laughs> That's how she used to talk when she was a smoker, but she doesn't smoke anymore. <laughs> See, when something's valuable to you, you care more, right? You're looking for that stuff. It's a wonder I even stay married, my poor wife. <laughs> Just looking for that stuff. And so then I start to look to the Bible. You know, I want to look to the Bible for answers. The Bible's going to give you answers to stuff. And here's what I found, is God loses stuff too. God loses stuff, stuff that's valuable to him. Just like you and I lose stuff that's valuable to him. And I'm not the only bad parent. God loses kids too. <laughs> Apparently that's okay. <laughs> you know, there's some parents when you lose your kids and then they help you find your kids and you like need them for the moment and they're helping you search and find your kids and then they help you find them and then the second you find them, now they're your enemy. Do you know what I'm saying? They like helped you find him and then they turn around and they're like, that parrot, I can't believe he'd ever lose his kid. He should never even be allowed to be around children. Right? But here's the thing, is God loses his kid, so we're okay. It's not that big a deal if you lose your kid every once in a while. 
See, Jesus teaches this parable, teaches three parables actually, about losing stuff. And he loses, he says, look, we all lose some things here. And in Luke 15, 8, he says, suppose that a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God and God's angels when even one sinner repents. See, God is looking for something. He's searching for something he lost. It's you. He's searching for something he lost. It's you. And it's so valuable. Jesus uses this parable. He says it's like a lost coin. It's like something of great value to a person that's so important that she just sweeps the whole house and just starts searching under and over everything, turning everything over, doing the stress walk, everything it takes to try to find that thing. That coin, God's saying that coin is you. God's saying that coin is you. Just before this, Jesus taught another parable. He said, say there's not a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one gets lost and that sheep is out and he's, and he's wandering lost. That shepherd, a good shepherd, and he likes himself to the good shepherd. He says, I'm that good shepherd, goes out and he goes to find that one lost sheep sheep searches he leaves the 99 to go search and find that one lost sheep everywhere turning around every corner past every tree listening hearing pursuing that sheep and when he finds it he's so excited he throws that sheep up on his shoulders and carries it back and then he brings it back to the fold and he rejoices over the one not the 99 we have this different mentality about who we are. And you might be visiting today, you might be here, you're like, oh my gosh, it's just like I'm enduring church, it's Christmas, Easter, Christmas, Easter, I can do this. <laughs> I'm doing this for my mom, doing it for my, just my mom, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can make it, you're gonna, you're gonna make it. But see, sometimes we've drifted away and we, re we think, you know what? I I've made bad decisions and choices in my life and I've made choices that I'm not proud of and I know God's not proud of. And in fact, the family of God, they might treat me differently because of choices I made. And so we feel like when we're that sheep that's been out wandering around and God comes and finds us, sometimes we won't let him rescue us. We're like, no, I'm not gonna go back because we imagine what all the other 99 sheep are gonna do. We imagine how the, not that the father might not, and sometimes we perceive that the shepherd, the good shepherd coming to us would treat us differently because of the way we behaved. But Jesus teaches these parables because he loses stuff too, and he loses stuff that's valuable to him, and you're valuable to him, and he wants you to not think the way you think, he wants you to think the way he thinks about you. And you're valuable to him, and when he scoops you up, he brings you back into the fold, and he loves you, and he rejoices. But we think that we're going to be brought back in, and I found this stupid sheep, and I drug him, just dragging him back. I finally got him. T take him in front of all the other 99, and you go like, look at this sheep. He's been bad.
Let's all beat him. Yeah, let's all point at him. You bad sheep. And then we'll spray paint him black so we always remember he was the one that got away and came back. Shh. And God's like, I don't treat my kids like that. That's not how valuable you are to me. No, you're that lost coin. You're a treasure. I care about you. You're what I'm searching for. I'm turning the house up over for you. I'm searching the wilderness for you because I want to bring you back and love you the way you should be loved and not let the other sheep mock you. That's not how God has designed his church to be. Doesn't matter how far out you've been, where you are, what you've done in your life, the blood of Jesus came to rescue and save each and every one of us the same. The same. The next parable that he tells is about the father who has two sons. One son says, I want all my inheritance now. I need it all now. And I wanna, I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna go run with it. I'm gonna do whatever I want with it. And so the father gives him what he desires, what the kid desires. He lets him choose what he wants and he gets what he can with his own purchase whatever he wants with his own life and he goes and he purchases it and then he runs out of all of his money and all of the carnal sinful things he's doing lead him to this farmer's home in a famine where he is now so starving he's eating what the pigs eat and living where the pigs live and he has this thought if I could just go back and serve in my father's house then I could at least be like one of the servants which is way big upgrade from where I'm living now so he comes back, and it says when he was afar off, when he was afar off, the second the father saw him returning, the father runs to the son, and he says, there he is. There's my kid. He was lost, and now he's found. And he says, put a robe on my son. He is coming back to the same status he was before he left. That's how the Father sees you. That's how he sees me. He's searching. He's searching. Always scanning the horizon. When are you coming back to him? When are you turning back to him? He made you for that relationship. You're his lost treasure. You're his lost son. You're his lost child that he is so desperately searching for. And you're not going to get the rude welcome that you would think you'd get from a religious body of believers. See, the other son he behaves like a lot of times some of the church does. Is the other son, the father embraces his son, but the older son, who was the good son, is like, I've been here the whole time. Why don't you treat me like that? And he goes, I have been. It's amazing how in this story, the father goes out to go reach out and find his older son who was stuck in religion. Just like he went out to go find his son who was stuck in the world. You can get stuck and lost in both places. Father's like, come inside where we're celebrating the lost. We're celebrating those that have been outside coming in. So listen, I don't know where you're at or where you've been in your life, but God has a purpose and a plan for you. And this Easter, we're celebrating the resurrected Jesus. See, Jesus, he came back. Romans says, he came back. I mean, in Luke 19, 10, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save that which was lost. God loses kids. I'm justified. 
and he might have lost you, but he always knows where you're at, okay? He's not like me. He's got a supernatural GPS called the Holy Spirit pinged on you everywhere you go, and he can't actually lose sight of you. You're lost by choice. And today, God's calling your name. He's saying, turn your heart back to me because I love you. You're not gonna get punished, made fun of, and nobody even gives a rip what you've done. It's just in the giant pile of lost things. It's in the pile of lost things in heaven somewhere, crucified with Christ, with all my stuff. And I don't want it back. I don't want that stuff back. The stuff I lost in sin that is crucified with Christ, I don't want it back. I want that stuff lost and gone forever. Amen, anybody else? Come on. See, Jesus didn't just live fully God and die on the cross for all your sins and then just die. He came back. He rose again because he came back searching for something. He came out of that tomb looking around. Where's my kids? I'm coming to find my kids. And he came out looking for his kids. He's looking for you. And he said, look, it's better that I leave so I can send the Holy Spirit, the other part of me that can be everywhere at all times to find all my kids. And he can fill all my other kids that do come to me so that they can search for more kids, more lost kids, more lost treasure. You are God's greatest treasure. He died for you. He came back for you. So where are you at today? Where's your heart at today? He came back for you. Maybe this is your time, your chance right now that you would shift your heart and abandon and give up everything else in the world. Abandon being lost and come back to know him. Come back to his family where you can be loved and known and encouraged to serve him. Maybe it's for the first time you've never given your heart to Jesus and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you've just been waiting waiting, looking in from the outside and you're like, well, when it all gets lined up, then I'll finally choose. Listen, you have to just jump sometimes and just test the Lord to see that he's true, he's real, and God will meet you where you're at. Turn from where you're at and just run to him and I promise he's gonna meet you. It's such a simple thing. The Bible says that any, any who have been lost, any one from anywhere that they come from, can be saved if they call on the name of Jesus. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 13, for anyone, <clears throat> everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's coming for you. So in just a moment, I'm gonna give you a chance to respond and to give your heart to Jesus. What a great day to do it. On the day we celebrate Jesus resurrected, we celebrate you, lost, coming and being found. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. I'm not gonna ask you to move anywhere, but I'm just gonna encourage you to slip your hand up in just one second and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Maybe you're coming back to the Lord or maybe you're giving your heart to him for the first time. Doesn't matter. If you wanna turn your heart back to Jesus, just slip your hand up right now so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you. Anybody else? Jesus, I want to give my heart to you. Thank you. I see your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. Anybody else? Jesus, I want to give my heart to you. I see it. Thank you very much. Just be brave. Be bold. What we're going to do is pray. Yeah, thanks. I see your hands. Anybody else? Just give you a few moments.
Jesus, I'm ready to turn my heart back to you. Awesome. Church, let's pray. And pray this out loud with me. If you're giving your heart to him, say, Jesus, be brave, be bold. Jesus, I believe you're God. I accept you as my Savior. Forgive me for my sin and fill me with your love. Bring me close to your heart, Lord. I want to feel your presence. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. A bunch of people getting saved in here today, giving their hearts to the Lord. That's so exciting. I have one more challenge for you, and this is for everybody now, even those who just gave their hearts to Jesus. Is Jesus is calling each one of us to reach his lost. This isn't just a time we celebrate with our families. It's a time we remember and celebrate the resurrected power of Jesus to seek and save the lost. And it's our call, it's our responsibility to preach and preach his name and tell people that he lives, he loves, he saves, and to live a life of love to others, not a life of judgment, right? A life of love where we embrace others and we, we reach out to them and we serve them and we love them. We don't just boss them around. Come on, church. Can we not have a bossy year? Can we have a loving year? Can we have a year that's full of God's love and his power for people? Can we go out and look for his lost stuff? I want to partner with Jesus and looking for his lost stuff. How many people do you know that are lost and need Jesus? Come on, there's lots of them out there. If you know them, you should be telling them. We need to tell them. So I want to do this. I just want to pray over you, and then we're going to worship as we close. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for the anointing of the evangelists to reach out and fill your church today. That they, every single one of us, would have the power, the desire, the, the passion to to prophesy, to reach out, to love every lost soul around us. And God, I'm praying for a supernatural increase in your church to be able to lead those that are lost to you, Jesus. And I pray that their hearts would be full of your love and that miracles, healings, transformation, prophetic words, words of wisdom, words of knowledge would pour out on your church so they could lead more and more and more of your lost kids to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.